Question 76, Part 2, A Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, On Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, On Man, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 76. Of the Union of Body and Soul. Part 2. Fourth Article. Question 76. Article 4. Whether in man there is another form besides the intellectual soul. Objection 1. It would seem that in man there is another form besides the intellectual soul. For the philosopher says, on the soul 2.1, that the soul is the act of a physical body which has life potentially. Therefore the soul is to the body as a form of matter. But the body has a substantial form by which it is a body. Therefore some other substantial form in the body precedes the soul. Objection 2. Further, man moves himself as every animal does. Now everything that moves itself is divided into two parts, of which one moves and the other is moved, as the philosopher proves. Physics 8.5. But the part which moves is the soul. Therefore the other part must be such that it can be moved. But primary matter cannot be moved. Physics 5.1, since it is a being only potentially. Indeed, everything that is moved is a body. Therefore, in man and in every animal, there must be another substantial form by which the body is constituted. Objection 3. Further, the order of forms depends on the relation to primary matter, for before and after apply by comparison to some beginning. Therefore, if there were not in man some other substantial form besides the rational soul, and if this were to inhere immediately to primary matter, it would follow that it ranks among the most imperfect forms which inhere to matter immediately. Objection 4. Further, the human body is a mixed body. Now mingling does not result from matter alone, for then we should have mere corruption. Therefore the forms of the elements must remain in a mixed body, and these are substantial forms. Therefore in the human body there are other substantial forms besides the intellectual soul. On the contrary, of one thing there is but one substantial being, but the substantial form gives substantial being. Therefore, of one thing there is but one substantial form. But the soul is the substantial form of man. Therefore, it is impossible for there to be in man another substantial form besides the intellectual soul. I answer that, if we suppose that the intellectual soul is not united to the body as its form, but only as its motor, as the Platonists maintain, it would necessarily follow that in man there is another substantial form by which the body is established in its being as movable by the soul. 
if however the intellectual soul be united to the body as its substantial form as we have said above article one it is impossible for another substantial form besides the intellectual soul to be found in man in order to make this evident we must consider that the substantial form differs from the accidental form in this that the accidental form does not make a thing to be simply but to be such as heat does not make a thing to be simply but only to be hot therefore by the coming of the accidental form a thing is not said to be made or generated simply but to be made such and such to be in some particular condition and in like manner when an accidental form is removed a thing is said to be corrupted not simply but relatively now the substantial form gives being simply therefore by its coming a thing is said to be generated simply and by its removal to be corrupted simply for this reason the old natural philosophers who held that primary matter was some actual being for instance fire or air or something of that sort maintained that nothing is generated simply or corrupted simply and stated that every becoming is nothing but an alteration as we read physics one four therefore if besides the intellectual soul there pre-existed in matter another substantial form by which the subject of the soul were made an actual being it would follow that the soul does not give being simply and consequently that it is not the substantial form and so at the advent of the soul there would not be simple generation nor at its removal simple corruption all of which is clearly false whence we must conclude that there is no other substantial form in man besides the intellectual soul and that the soul as it virtually contains the sensitive and nutritive souls so does it virtually contain all inferior forms and itself alone does whatever the imperfect forms do in other things the same is to be said of the sensitive soul in brute animals and of the nutritive soul in plants and universally of all more perfect forms with regard to the imperfect reply objection one aristotle does not say that the soul is the act of a body only but the act of a physical organic body which has life potentially and that this potentiality does not reject the soul whence it is clear that when the soul is called the act the soul itself is included as when we say that heat is the act of what is hot and light of what is lucid not as though lucid and light were two separate things but because a thing is made lucid by the light in like manner the soul is said to be the act of a body etc because by the soul it is a body and is organic and has life potentially yet the first act is said to be in potentiality to the second act which is operation for such a potentiality does not reject that is does not exclude the soul reply objection to the soul does not move the body by its essence as the form of the body but by the motive power the act of which presupposes the body to be already actualized by the soul so that the soul by its motive power is the part which moves 
and the animate body is the part moved. Reply Objection 3. We observe in matter various degrees of perfection, as existence, living, sensing, and understanding. Now what is added is always more perfect. Therefore that form which gives matter only the first degree of perfection is the most imperfect, while that form which gives the first, second, and third degree, and so on, is the most perfect, and yet it inheres to matter immediately. Reply Objection 4 Avicenna held that the substantial forms of the elements remain entire in the mixed body, and that the mixed body is made by the contrary qualities of the elements being reduced to an average. But this is impossible, because the various forms of the elements must necessarily be in various parts of matter, for the distinction of which we must suppose dimensions, without which matter cannot be divisible. Now matter subject to dimension is not to be found except in a body. But various bodies cannot be in the same place. Whence it follows that elements in the mixed body would be distinct as to situation, and then there would be not a real mixture which is in respect of the whole, but only a mixture apparent to sense, by the juxtaposition of particles. Averroes maintained that the form of the elements by reason of their imperfection, are a medium between accidental and substantial forms, and so can be more or less, and therefore in the mixture they are modified and reduced to an average, so that one form emerges from them. But this is even still more impossible, for the substantial being of each thing consists in something indivisible, and every addition and subtraction varies the species, as in numbers, as stated in Metaphysics 8, Didascale 7.3. And consequently it is impossible for any substantial form to receive more or less, nor is it less impossible for anything to be a medium between substance and accident. Therefore we must say, in accordance with the philosopher, Generation of Animals 1.10, that the forms of the elements remain in the mixed body, not actually, but virtually. For the proper qualities of the elements remain, though modified, and in them is the power of the elementary forms. This quality of the mixture is the proper disposition for the substantial form of the mixed body. For instance, the form of a stone, or of any sort of soul. Fifth article Question 76, Article 5. Whether the intellectual soul is properly united to such a body? Objection 1. It would seem that the intellectual soul is properly united to such a body, for matter must be proportionate to the form. But the intellectual soul is corruptible, therefore it is not properly united to a corruptible body. Objection 2. Further, the intellectual soul is a perfectly immaterial form. A proof whereof is its operation in which corporeal matter does not share. But the more subtle is the body, the less has it of matter. Therefore the soul should be united to a most subtle body, to fire, for instance, and not to a mixed body, still less to a terrestrial body. Objection 3. 
Further, since the form is the principle of the species, one form cannot produce a variety of species. But the intellectual soul is one form. Therefore it should not be united to a body which is composed of parts belonging to various species. Objection 4. Further, what is susceptible of a more perfect form should itself be more perfect. But the intellectual soul is the most perfect of souls. Therefore, since the bodies of other animals are naturally provided with a covering, for instance with hair instead of clothes, and hoofs instead of shoes, and are moreover naturally provided with arms, as claws, teeth, and horns, it seems that the intellectual soul should not have been united to a body which is imperfect as being deprived of the above means of protection. On the contrary, the philosopher says, on the soul too one, that the soul is the act of a physical organic body having life potentially. I answer that, since the form is not for the matter, but rather the matter for the form, we must gather from the form the reason why the matter is such as it is, and not conversely. Now the intellectual soul, as we have seen above, question 55, article 2, in the order of nature, holds the lowest place among intellectual substances. Inasmuch as it is not naturally gifted with the knowledge of truth, as the angels are, but has to gather knowledge from individual things by way of the senses, as Dionysius says, Divine Name 7. But nature never fails in necessary things. Therefore the intellectual soul had to be endowed not only with the power of understanding, but also with the power of feeling. Now the action of the senses is not performed without a corporeal instrument. Therefore it behooved the intellectual soul to be united to a body fitted to be a convenient organ of sense. Now all the other senses are based on the sense of touch. But the organ of touch requires to be a medium between contraries, such as hot and cold, wet and dry, and the like, of which the sense of touch has the perception. Thus it is in potentiality with regard to contraries, and is able to perceive them. Therefore, the more the organ of touch is reduced to an equable complexion, the more sensitive will be the touch. But the intellectual soul has the power of sense in all its completeness, because what belongs to the inferior nature pre-exists more perfectly in the superior, as Dionysius says, Divine Names 5. Therefore the body to which the intellectual soul is united should be a mixed body, above others reduced to the most equable complexion. For this reason, among animals, man has the best sense of touch. And among men, those who have the best sense of touch have the best intelligence. A sign of which is that we observe those who are refined in body are well endowed in mind, as stated on the soul 2.9. Reply Objection 1. Perhaps someone might attempt to answer this by saying that before sin, the human body was incorruptible. This answer does not seem sufficient, because before sin the human body was immortal not by nature, but by a gift of divine grace. Otherwise its immortality would not be forfeited through sin, as neither was the immortality of the devil. 
Therefore, we answer otherwise by observing that in matter two conditions are to be found, one which is chosen in order that the matter may be suitable to the form, the other which follows by force of the first disposition. The artisan, for instance, for the form of the saw, chooses iron adapted for cutting through hard material, but that the teeth of the saw may become blunt and rusted follows by force of the matter itself. So the intellectual soul requires a body of equable complexion, which, however, is corruptible by force of its matter. If, however, it be said that God could avoid this, we answer that in the formation of natural things we do not consider what God might do, but what is suitable to the nature of things, as Augustine says, Gen. Adlet 2.1. God, however, provided in this case by applying a remedy against death in the gift of grace. Reply Objection 2. A body is not necessary to the intellectual soul by reason of its intellectual operation considered as such, but on account of the sensitive power which requires an organ of equable temperament. Therefore the intellectual soul had to be united to such a body, and not to a simple element or to a mixed body, in which fire was in excess, because otherwise there could not be an equability of temperament. And this body of an equable temperament has a dignity of its own by reason of its being remote from contraries, thereby resembling, in a way, a heavenly body. Reply Objection 3. The parts of an animal, for instance, the eye, hand, flesh, and bones, and so forth, do not make the species. But the whole does, and therefore, properly speaking, we cannot say that these are of different species, but that they are of various dispositions. This is suitable to the intellectual soul, which, although it be one in its essence, yet on account of its perfection is manifold in power, and therefore for its various operations it requires various dispositions in the parts of the body to which it is united. For this reason we observe that there is a greater variety of parts in perfect than in imperfect animals, and in these a greater variety than in plants. Reply Objection 4 the intellectual soul, as comprehending universals, has a power extending to the infinite. Therefore it cannot be limited by nature to certain fixed natural notions, or even to certain fixed means, whether of defense or of clothing, as is the case with other animals, the souls of which are endowed with knowledge and power in regard to fixed particular things. Instead of all these, Man has by nature his reason and his hands, which are the organs of organs, on the soul three, since by their means man can make for himself instruments of an infinite variety and for any number of purposes. Sixth article, question 76, article 6. Whether the intellectual soul is united to the body through the medium of accidental dispositions. Objection 1. It would seem that the intellectual soul is united to the body through the medium of accidental dispositions. For every form exists in its proper disposed matter. But dispositions to a form are accidents. Therefore we must presuppose accidents to be in matter before the substantial form, and therefore before the soul, since the soul is a substantial form. 
Objection 2. Further, various forms of one species require various parts of matter. But various parts of matter are unintelligible without division in measurable quantities. Therefore, we must suppose dimensions in matter before the substantial forms, which are many belonging to one species. Objection 3. Further, what is spiritual is connected with what is corporeal by virtual contact. But the virtue of the soul is its power. Therefore it seems that the soul is united to the body by means of a power, which is an accident. On the contrary, accident is posterior to substance, both in the order of time and in the order of reason. As the philosopher says, Metaphysics 7, Didascale 6, 1. Therefore, it is unintelligible that any accidental form exists in matter before the soul, which is the substantial form. I answer that, if the soul were united to the body, merely as a motor, there would be nothing to prevent the existence of certain dispositions mediating between the soul and the body. On the contrary, they would be necessary, for on the part of the soul would be required the power to move the body and on the part of the body, a certain aptitude to be moved by the soul. If, however, the intellectual soul is united to the body as substantial form, as we have already said above, Article 1, it is impossible for any accidental disposition to come between the body and the soul, or between any substantial form whatever in its matter. The reason is because, since matter is in potentiality to all manner of acts in a certain order, what is absolutely first among the acts must be understood as being first in matter. Now the first among all acts is existence. Therefore it is impossible for matter to be apprehended as hot, or as having quantity, before it is actual. But matter has actual existence by the substantial form, which makes it to exist absolutely, as we have said above, Article 4. Wherefore, it is impossible for any accidental dispositions to pre-exist in matter before the substantial form, and consequently before the soul. Reply Objection 1. As appears from what has been already said, Article 4, the more perfect form virtually contains whatever belongs to the inferior forms. Therefore, while remaining one and the same, it perfects matter according to the various degrees of perfection. For the same essential form makes man an actual being, a body, a living being, an animal, and a man. Now it is clear that to every genus follow its own proper accidents. Therefore, as matter is apprehended, as perfected in its existence, before it is understood as corporeal, and so on, so those accidents which belong to existence are understood to exist before corporeity. And thus dispositions are understood in matter before the form, not as regards all its effects, but as regards the subsequent effect. Reply Objection 2. Dimensions of quantity are accidents consequent to the corporeity which belongs to the whole matter. Wherefore matter, once understood as corporeal and measurable, can be understood as distinct in its various parts, and as receptive of different forms according to the further degrees of perfection. 
for although it is essentially the same form which gives matter of the various degrees of perfection as we have said article one yet it is considered as different when brought under the observation of reason reply objection three a spiritual substance which is united to a body as its motor only is united thereto by power or virtue but the intellectual soul is united by its very being to the body as form and yet it guides and moves the body by its power and virtue seventh article question seventy six article seven whether the soul is united to the animal body by means of a body objection one it seems that the soul is united to the animal body by means of a body for augustine says genesis ad lit seven nineteen that the soul administers the body by light that is by fire and by air which is most akin to the spirit but fire and air are bodies therefore the soul is united to the human body by means of a body objection to further a link between two things seems to be that thing the removal of which involves the cessation of their union but when breathing ceases the soul is separated from the body therefore the breath which is a subtle body is the means of union between soul and body objection three further things which are very distant from one another are not united except by something between them but the intellectual soul is very distant from the body both because it is incorporeal and because it is incorruptible and therefore it seems to be united to the body by means of an incorruptible body and such would be some heavenly light which would harmonize the elements and unite them together on the contrary the philosopher says on the soul too one we need not ask if the soul and body are one as neither do we ask if wax and its shape are one but the shape is united to the wax without a body intervening therefore also the soul is thus united to the body i answer that if the soul according to the platonists were united to the body merely as a motor it would be right to say that some other bodies must intervene between the soul and body of man or any animal whatever for a motor naturally moves what is distant from it by means of something nearer if however the soul is united to the body as its form as we have said article one it is impossible for it to be united by means of another body the reason of this is that a thing is one according as it is a being now the form through itself makes a thing to be actual since it is itself essentially an act nor does it give existence by means of something else wherefore the unity of a thing composed of matter and form is by virtue of the form itself which by reason of its very nature is united to matter as its act nor is there any other cause of union except the agent which causes matter to be in act as the philosopher says metaphysics eight didascally seven six from this it is clear how false are the opinions of those who maintained the existence of some mediate bodies between the soul and the body of man of these certain platonists said that the intellectual soul 
has an incorruptible body naturally united to it, from which it is never separated, and by means of which it is united to the corruptible body of man. Others said that the soul is united to the body by means of a corporeal spirit. Others said it is united to the body by means of light, which, they say, is a body and of the nature of the fifth essence, so that the vegetative soul would be united to the body by means of the light and of sidereal heaven, the sensible soul by means of the light of the crystal heaven, and the intellectual soul by means of the light of the empyrean heaven. Now all this is fictitious and ridiculous, for light is not a body, and the fifth essence does not enter materially into the composition of a mixed body, since it is unchangeable, but only virtually. And lastly, because the soul is immediately united to the body as the form to matter. Reply Objection 1 Augustine speaks of the soul as it moves the body, whence he uses the word administration. It is true that it moves the grosser parts of the body by the more subtle parts, and the first instrument of the motive power is a kind of spirit, as the philosopher says in De Causa Mutus Animalium, De Mutus Animal 10. Reply Objection 2. The union of the soul and body ceases at the cessation of breath, not because this is the means of union, but because of the removal of that disposition by which the body is disposed for such a union. Nevertheless, the breath is a means of moving, as the first instrument of motion. Reply Objection 3. The soul is indeed very distant from the body, if we consider the condition of each separately, so that if each had a separate existence, many means of connection would have to intervene. But inasmuch as the soul is the form of the body, it has not an existence apart from the existence of the body, but by its own existence is united to the body immediately. This is the case with every form which, if considered as an act, is very distant from matter, which is a being only in potentiality. Eighth Article, Question 76, Article 8 Whether the soul is in each part of the body? Objection 1. It would seem that the whole soul is not in each part of the body. For the philosopher says in De Causa Mutus Animalium, De Mutus Animal 10, It is not necessary for the soul to be in each part of the body. It suffices that it be in some principle of the body, causing the other parts to live, for each part has a natural movement of its own. Objection 2. Further, the soul is in the body of which it is the act, but it is the act of an organic body. Therefore, it exists only in an organic body, but each part of the human body is not an organic body. Therefore, the whole soul is not in each part. Objection 3. Further, the philosopher says, on the soul 2, 1, that the relation of a part of the soul to a part of the body, such as the sight to the pupil of the eye, is the same as the relation of the soul to the whole body of an animal. If, therefore, the whole soul is in each part of the body, it follows that each part of the body is an animal. Objection 4. Further, all the powers of the soul are rooted in the essence of the soul. If, therefore, the whole soul be in each part of the body, it follows that all the powers of the soul are in each part of the body. 
Thus the sight will be in the ear, and hearing in the eye, and this is absurd. Objection 5. Further, if the whole soul is in each part of the body, each part of the body is immediately dependent on the soul. Thus one part would not depend on another, nor would one part be nobler than another, which is clearly untrue. Therefore the soul is not in each part of the body. On the contrary, Augustine says, on the Trinity 6.6, 6, that in each body the whole soul is in the whole body, and in each part is entire. I answer that, as we have said, if the soul were united to the body merely as its motor, we might say that it is not in each part of the body, but only in one part through which it would move the others. But since the soul is united to the body as its form, it must necessarily be in the whole body, and in each part thereof. For it is not an accidental form, but the substantial form of the body. Now the substantial form perfects not only the whole, but each part of the whole. For since a whole consists of parts, a form of the whole, which does not give existence to each of the parts of the body, is a form consisting in composition and order. Such is the form of a house, and such a form is accidental. But the soul is a substantial form, and therefore it must be the form and the act, not only of the whole, but also of each part. Therefore, on the withdrawal of the soul, as we do not speak of an animal or a man unless equivocally, as we speak of a painted animal or a stone animal, so it is with the hand, the eye, the flesh, and bones, as the philosopher says on the soul to one. A proof of which is that on the withdrawal of the soul, no part of the body retains its proper action, although that which retains its species retains the action of the species. But act is in that which actuates. Wherefore the soul must be in the whole body and in each part thereof. That it is entire in each part thereof may be concluded from this, that since a whole is that which is divided into parts, there are three kinds of totality corresponding to three kinds of division. There is a whole which is divided into parts of quantity, as a whole line or a whole body. There is also a whole which is divided into logical and essential parts, as a thing defined is divided into the parts of a definition and a composite into matter and form. There is further a third kind of whole which is potential divided into virtual parts. The first kind of totality does not apply to forms, except perhaps accidentally, and then only to those forms which have an indifferent relationship to a quantitative whole and its parts. As whiteness, as far as its essence is concerned, is equally disposed to be in the whole surface and in each part of the surface, and therefore the surface being divided, the whiteness is accidentally divided. But a form which requires variety in its parts, such as a soul, and especially the soul of perfect animals, is not equally related to the whole and the parts. Hence it is not divided accidentally when the whole is divided. So therefore quantitative totality cannot be attributed to the soul, either essentially or accidentally. 
but the second kind of totality which depends on logical and essential perfection properly and essentially belongs to forms and likewise the virtual totality because a form is the principle of operation therefore if it be asked whether the whole whiteness is in the whole surface and each part thereof it is necessary to distinguish if we mean quantitative totality which whiteness has accidentally then the whole whiteness is not in each part of the surface the same is to be said of the totality of power since the whiteness which is in the whole surface moves the sight more than the whiteness which is in a small part thereof but if we mean totality of species and essence then the whole whiteness is in each part of the surface since however the soul has not quantitative totality neither essentially nor accidentally as we have seen it is enough to say that the whole soul is in each part of the body by totality of perfection and of essence but not by totality of power for it is not in each part of the body with regard to each of its powers but with regard to sight it is in the eye and with regard to hearing it is in the ear and so forth we must observe however that since the soul requires a variety of parts its relation to the whole is not the same as its relation to the parts for to the whole it is compared primarily and essentially as to its proper and proportionate perfectible but to the parts secondarily inasmuch as they are ordained to the whole reply objection one the philosopher is speaking there of the motive power of the soul reply objection two the soul is the act of an organic body as of its primary and proportionate perfectible reply objection three an animal is that which is composed of a soul and a whole body which is the soul's primary and proportionate perfectible thus the soul is not a part whence it does not follow that a part of an animal is an animal reply objection four some of the powers of the soul are in it according as exceeds the entire capacity of the body namely the intellect and the will whence these powers are not said to be in any part of the body other powers are common to the soul and body wherefore each of these powers need not be wherever the soul is but only in that part of the body which is adapted to the operation of such a power reply objection five one part of the body is said to be nobler than another on account of the various powers of which the parts of the body are the organs for that part which is the organ of a nobler power is a nobler part of the body as also is that part which serves the same power in a nobler manner end of question seventy six part two